Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Chris Parliament. Joining me today, Brandon Piller. Well, you can't call it a perfect tank game as the Sens end up getting one point in a shootout loss to the lowly Red Wings. We'll break down what we saw in that game. We'll also take a look at what was a big win for the B Sens to start a long eight-game, 16-day road trip. Another divisional matchup tonight for the Senators. We get you set for that game as the Habs come into the CTC. And a double dose of bottom feeders as well as we spin the tankathon.com spinner. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. It's January 11th and Pills, it's not often you have a mid-January game involving two basement dwellers circled on the calendar. Yeah, definitely a tankathon special for the Atlantic Division with the Detroit Red Wings and the Ottawa Senators uh, doing battle in Detroit. But man, if you're going to tank, the Detroit Red Wings are tanking right. Like if you're going to tank, tank hard, and that's what they're doing. I don't think, even though this is kind of a crappy tank game for both teams, Detroit getting two points, Sens getting one point, I don't think the Sens even have a chance of sinking to their level, so that doesn't really matter. Would have been better to lose straight up in regulation. You know what, you can't, uh, I was about to say you can't win them all, but I guess you can't lose them all is a better term for this one. Yikes, eh? Tough to say from a fan perspective, but that's that's the situation that the Senators are in right now, and it almost didn't get to a shootout. Wow, what a sequence in overtime. I don't know how that puck stayed out of the net. And I think Hogberg was a little bit dizzy in the crease. What, like, I just, I can't even fathom that. Like, how did they not put that puck in the net? Four chances to bury it. Hogberg was looking like Hasek on, uh, with 10 Red Bulls in him, diving around, going crazy, just trying to get some sort of position in the net. Colin White sprawling in the crease too. And then on the fourth chance, Mike Green... He dekes around Colin White and has a wide open chance in front of the slot and he hits the post in OT at home. I don't, man, if I'm a Red Wings fan, I'm pulling my hair out at that sequence, but you gotta love Hogberg's effort. He actually made a couple of the saves in that sequence, but that's good overtime and that's just some of the exciting stuff that three on three overtime brings. Oh yeah, how can you not be a fan of three on three overtime? It's definitely one of the funnest parts of hockey regular season wise. Obviously, there's some differences in the playoffs once you get there, but it's weird for myself to say as the youngest member of this podcast, but for some reason, when I was watching that sequence, I was thinking to myself, imagine like back in the early 90s when the NHL had like the blue lines behind pass and the red lines behind shot. Imagine the guy trying to figure out what was happening in a sequence like that with the lines or it had just been lines all over the screen. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why that's where my mind went. But uh, so, yeah, almost didn't even make it to a shootout, but that would have held out on what was the weirdest highlight you might see this year. Like, what league is this? Like, I wouldn't even pull this in practice or in beer league. And Tyler Ennis walks in with this shot, showing off that he deserved being on the rock star list from not Danny Heatley. Yeah, you got to love making the rock star list. And Tyler, the rock star, Ennis tried a crazy move in the shootout. But immediately, what I thought about this is... Remember, I don't even know how long ago this was, but Casper Dogovins. Remember that guy? Probably, probably not, other than his only uh, highlight-worthy 
uh, sequence is that shootout where he started. He did the whole sequence from uh, center ice with the puck on the blade of his stick. And then he tried to do that spinorama, which actually was pretty impressive uh, after watching it again. But Tyler Ennis, he's in a Sens jersey. He's got the shootout going. He says, Casper, hold my beer and watch this one because <laughs> that was just crazy because I think he actually almost could have done it. If you look closely on the replay, he really throws Bernier off by flipping his stick up and having the blade uh, on the puck quickly. And he, I don't know how he does this, but he elevates that puck uh, with the shot like that. And he almost beats Bernier five hole with it going just barely over his stick and through his pads. But Bernier got a piece of it and stopped it. But Man, would that have been absolutely incredible for Tyler, the rock star, Ennis to bury one like that in a shootout. Just feeding the fire for the old-time hockey guys that call it a skills competition at the end of a game to see who wins. And this one, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you got two basement dwellers going to a shootout. I mean, at this point, it might as well just be a skills competition for these two teams. That was definitely a positive of the game last night, but I think it's at this point in the season it's easy to get lost in the final score and watching the scoreboards and all that sort of stuff. But you got to remember that these are building games for young guys like a Brady Kachuk. So let's talk about some positives that you did see in the game, get away from the outcome a little bit. Cause there was one for me and it was the Brady Kachuk goal. And it just goes to show he's worked on his game. He's getting stronger and he's understanding what he has to do because that was an incredible solo effort from behind the net to come out front and just be strong enough to bang that one home. So that's that's definitely a sign that I'm happy to see in a guy like Brady Chuck, who obviously is going to be a huge part of this organization moving forward, to see him just continuing to grow his game and dominating at what he does best. That's definitely a good sign of things to come. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Brady Kachuk doesn't matter how young he is I think everyone in the league now uh, he doesn't have that element of surprise where he can surprise you with his his child strength really I mean he's a young guy but he can he can hold it up with the best of them when it comes to strength and battling in the corners and like you said behind the net I mean he got a little help from the Montreal defenseman I'm not sure uh, who that was in front but it banked Detroit. off his skate Detroit or Detroit sorry yeah yep. I'm uh, going ahead here Detroit's <laughs> uh, defenseman banking off his skate on the wraparound but that goes right in and you're talking about positives from young players. Who got the assist on that Kachuk goal? None other than Colin White. And we've, man, what a tough season for Colin White this year. But I would say this has been his best game all season, Parley. I mean, this is the first game all year where he had a goal and assist, his only two-point performance of the season. And he tied a career high with uh, four shots on goal. So, you know what, Colin White, I think he just needed a little boost of confidence. And that was a nice tip in front. Uh, on the Riley blast on the power play, nonetheless. So I think he gets a bit of confidence and he really stepped up his game. Hopefully he can carry that over to uh, Montreal and uh, get a win against a bottom feeding team in the Canadians rather than a shootout loss versus the Red Wings. And important to note, too, that he was rewarded for his play last night. You mentioned the four shots on goal. He's creating the goal and assist for uh, two points for only the second time this season, I think you said. But he had 18 minutes and uh, 13 seconds of ice time. So that's something definitely to build towards. I think this is a guy that once he gets confident, he plays so much better, you know, with that puck confidence. Uh, we've talked about it in the past. He's he's more involved in plays. He's jumping on pucks, whereas in the past, sometimes when he's less confident, he kind of stands up and doesn't have as much going on. So I think this is important for him. But, I mean, you still got to look at it as a basement-dwelling team, beating a basement-dwelling team. And last night, 
goes to show that how far the Red Wings are running away with this tankathon effort. They're still 11 points behind the Senators in the Atlantic Division when it comes to standings, and that was only their 12th win of the season. So we'll move on from that debacle. And speaking of wins, Belleville, 5 one last night, and it's the familiar suspects getting it done once again, Bills. For sure. And I mean, Belleville, if you're Troy Mann, you got to be just absolutely uh, impressed with the depth that uh, Pierre Dorian has gotten him this year. I mean, compared to this year to their first year in Belleville, the team is just uh, miles ahead of where they were in their inaugural season. But you mentioned it, they get the win against the Rochester Americans, one of the better teams in their division. The other matchups uh, this year were four, three losses for Belleville, and they finally get the best of them in a big way. And how about Alex Fermentin with the Hattie in a 5-1 win? you got to love that. Yeah, and what's cool to note is he got the first goal of the game, too, kind of right as the first period was dying, sending the boys into the uh, break with a little bit of energy as well. And what's super impressive is that's... 17, 18, 19 on the season. So with seven games left on this road trip, you got to think that this Belleville team's coming back to the CIA arena with two, not one, but two rookie players with 20 goals on the season. That's super impressive. And then, I mean, you talk about the other rookie who I mentioned there in Josh Norris, who already has 20 goals on the season. Don't worry, he's also got a 10-game point streak. He extended it with an assist. Uh, He's doing a lot for this team. He's the main driver of this team now. And you mentioned his 10-game point streak. How about 14 points in that span? Not too shabby at all. And I don't know about you, Parley, but when Balsers and Batherson were called up, uh, Balsers, I believe, was January 2nd, Batherson January 4th. I was a little nervous for how this team was going to perform. I mean, Balsters, I think he went on a 15-game point streak or something like that, just racking up points. And then Batherson was the best player in the entire league. So you lose guys like that, and you're a little nervous. How's how's the team going to look? How are these forwards going to adjust? Norris and Formington have just slotted in there perfectly and have stolen the show. I mean, we talk about, uh, in previous pods, we had looked at Josh Norris and how he stacks up against AHL rookies. And he's been one of the best AHL rookies, as you mentioned. Formington's been good, too, as a rookie. But now we're in a point where the conversation shifted to he's one of the best players in the AHL, period. He's seventh in the league with 35 points. That's only seven behind now league-leading uh, point-getter in the AHL, Reed Boucher. So this guy... He's, he's stepped it up, and he's showing shades of Brady Kachuk. I love the way he plays. And he has six points in four games since Balsers and Batherson left. So clearly, he's gotten the message that it's his time to shine, and boy, is he shining. Oh, yeah, taking advantage of a situation that's really kind of being spoon-fed to him. Uh, as we look down the box char- or box score a little bit more, Vitaly Bramov tallies another one last night. And Eric Brandstrom. With the assist, but the interesting thing to note is we always kind of talk about that little bit of a mean streak he's got in him. Another four penalty minutes last night, but as this being a goalie-friendly show and as we move on a little bit here, last night, Philip Gustafson stepped up to the task. And what you said, again, was this Rochester American team is no one to really throw shade at. And, hey, he made 35 saves on 36 shots and let the boys in front of him get the job done when they needed to. And, uh... I don't know. Philly franchise kind of settling in, do you think? Well, you know what? I think he heard uh, some some uh, 
not so high votes of confidence from our co-host Ross Levitan, who he's been high on Dak and for a good reason. Uh, Joey Decord's been playing great, but he kind of has started to dismiss Philly franchise and Phillips throwing that back in his face. I mean, he's got back-to-back wins against division rivals in Laval and Rochester, and those are huge wins. We talk about it all the time, but the division wins are so important in the AHL because now we see um, Belleville, they're third in their division now, bumping up ahead of the Rocket and the Marlies, which is huge, definitely their biggest rivals in the division. And they're doing... Uh, that with getting out shot too. I mean, 36 shots against for Philip Gustafson. And I think the Sens only had like 24 on the Rochester Americans. So Gustafson's getting it done. He's got back-to-back wins. He's keeping this team alive, especially with that uh, makeshift defense, which now is getting better with uh, guys like Hainsey, DeMello coming back into the picture in the NHL, but still not easy on the back end there. And hey, speaking of goalie-friendly show, we got to see our old buddy, the Hamburglar come in for relief for the American, uh, the Rochester Americans last night. So that's always fun seeing a guy like that brings back good memories, but didn't go so well for him this time, unfortunately, with Rochester. Yeah, we saw Condon what a week ago, a week ago, and then the Hamburglar. It's a little bit of a blast for the from the past for yeah. Bell Vegas, and uh, no rest for the Wicked as they're right back at it again tonight. Man, the AHL is such a grind. I got so much respect for anybody down there riding the buses. They take on the North Division best Utica Comets tonight, and with a win, they could pull within one point in the standings and tie the Rochester Americans at forty-seven points to the Comets' forty-eight points. And interesting to note, Pilsy a game in hand on Utica. So this is a big game in the second of a long eight-game road stretch. Now let's go back up to the National League. And the Sens, they do have another divisional matchup tonight. I guess there's no rest for the Wicked in that case as well. And it's against the Habs. Split a pair of meetings so far. Looks like the forward lines are going to stay the same tonight, which is a good thing. You mentioned Colin White had a good game last night. It's interesting to see the young guys kind of fit into a role. Drake Batherson as well up on that second unit with what looks like to be Artem Anisimov and Anthony Duclair again. Lines were the same at practice today. And then Rudy Balsers will be on that third line with Tyler Ennis, the shootout specialist, the rock star Tyler Ennis, Hmm. and Colin White. But the defense is going to look a little bit different tonight. Yeah, and uh, Boro, as far as I know, I think he just had flu uh, flu symptoms, which uh, that that can mean a number of things. It's kind of a vague term, but who knows what that means. But you get Boro back in there, and this decor is really starting to shape up nicely, eh, Parley? Like, you got uh, Shabbat and Hainsey top line. I think that's worked out pretty well. Boro and DeMello second pairing. And then Mike Riley in England. Once Zaitsev comes back, you shift England out of there, bring him back to Belleville. And that's, I mean, for a rebuilding team, that's not a bad uh, top six. And then you've got Golubov uh, as the seventh defenseman, where I think he fits nicely. So this decor is looking pretty good. And especially if all these guys can continue to develop. I mean, guys like uh, DeMello, Boros having a career year. Even Mike Riley has looked a lot better since uh, he first got here now that he's had some time to spend with the team. So I'm liking how defense is shaping up. And as I said, that'll help Belleville's defense too. So all around, this franchise is starting to piece together the uh, important keys on that back end. Funny how in a season like this for the Senators, it's uh, six NHL bodies is starting to look like a nice 
decor, you know what I mean? But that's the situation <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> that it's been this year, injuries and everything that's gone on. But yeah, Boro being back in, you're right. It takes the pressure off of a guy like Thomas Shabbat. He doesn't have to play the 35 minutes a night and stuff like that. But where I'm most interested in the lineups is on the other side, where the Senators are catching a bit of a break. When We're not sure why, but it doesn't look like Brandon Gallagher, who's really the life force of this Montreal team he leads the team in shots on goal he's nasty he gets everything going after the whistle he just he's in on every single play and the guy who ended the game last time in overtime Ben Chirot who's been absolutely munching minutes for a back end in Montreal that's seen their fair share of injuries as well he's out as well so I mean in a tank game again tonight against another bottom feeder those are a couple big guys as the Sens have guys coming back in a home game where the Senators have had a lot of success those are some big missing pieces. For sure. And I mean, we're talking bottom feeders. Holy, the Montreal Canadiens are taking a page out of the book from the Detroit Red Wings. Partly, the Canadiens are on an eight-game slide, an eight-game losing streak. They haven't won since December 23rd, 2019. So it's been a while since these guys have tasted a W. Mind you, most of these games, though, they're right in there. I mean... You got They lost to Tampa Bay in the 28th one-goal game, lost to Florida one-goal game, and then uh, heading to January, another one-goal game, an OT loss, a one-goal game, a one-goal loss to the Red Wings, and then the Oilers beat them 4-2, and then now they head into Ottawa. So the Habs, they're, they're on a slide so tough here. And like you said, there's a lot of guys missing. Also, uh, we should mention Joel Armia is missing, Paul Byron, and then, yeah, you said Sherratt and Gallagher. So this is a weak, weak Montreal Canadiens team who was so desperate they went out and signed Ilya Kovalchuk, who actually hasn't been too bad for them. But the Senators need to take advantage of games like this and uh, get get two points on a division rival and get some confidence back for these boys who, the Sens, it's been a while since they've tasted a W as well. Real interesting to note, too, uh, coming into this game, in a back-to-back, it's kind of always a no-brainer who's going to start. Well, the guy who didn't start last night, that's how you kind of control it. But with the injuries and everything that's going on in the Ottawa crease, it's kind of a different story right now. Bruce Garriock tracking this one. As we record here, it's about 2 o'clock p.m. on Saturday, January the 11th, and we're not sure who's going to start in goal for the Senators tonight. It should be an easy decision with a youngster like Marcus Hogberg. You'd think they'd just give him the night off after a night like last night, but... Man, oh man, the way Craig Anderson's been playing, including letting in five goals and then getting the y- the yank against the Capitals. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Like, wh- where do you go with a guy like this right now? Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. There's definitely some debate of where you can go, but I figure in a back-to-back situation, I really don't think it's worth it to throw Hogberg in again, especially in a rebuilding season where, I mean, I said it'd be great for the Sens to get two points here and get some confidence back, but really in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge deal. So for sake of not injuring a goalie further, I mean, Hogberg, you said Anderson started against the calf, but Hogberg played in that game as well. And then he started uh, the game against the Red Wings. So I don't know if it's a great idea throwing him in for another game. I think I'd rather just put Craig Anderson in there and cross your fingers and hope uh, he has a bounce back game. But It'll be interesting to see what DJ Smith goes with. And either way, I'm confident in both these goalies either night that they can get a win against uh, comparative teams like the Red Wings, uh, the Habs, and uh, bottom-feeding teams. Both these goalies are confident uh, competent enough, and the decors uh, getting back into shape. So no matter what DJ Smith chooses, they should have a good chance tonight. And 
Ross, I'm sure he already has a couple bets on this game, but this might be a good game to hop on uh, for a bounce-back victory, hopefully, uh, for the Ottawa Senators. And we talk about goalies in this one. Brady Kachuk, always entertaining. Surprise, surprise. He's the headline under the headline coming into this one after, we'll call it hashtag Puckgate, after taking away Caden Primus. Maybe did he take it away? We don't really know. He's a gamer. It's going to be fun to watch tonight. He's always a guy that keeps it interesting. And in a game that's really not that interesting, unless you're watching the Tankathon. So tonight, two bad teams going at it. Last night, two bad teams going at it. So today we got a double dip in bottom feeders for you. And it's a little bit of a Swedish edition, which I'm sure Sens fans, with the history that Senators have had with Swedish players, I'm sure that doesn't hurt the ear at all to hear there's some quality Swedish players coming up. Let's start with Lucas Raymond. I'll throw it over to you for a little prospect profile here, Pils. Yeah, Lucas Raymond, uh, like you mentioned, Swedish guy. And definitely the Sens have had real good history with Swedish players. It's been a while, though. I mean, thinking recently uh, since they've, well, I guess Brandstrom, but they didn't draft him. So it's been a while since they've really put a lot of stock into a Swedish player with Lassie Thompson, uh, their last previous first round pick being from Finland. But I think Lucas Raymond is a guy that can really help the Sens out if and when, I should say, they get a top five pick. And this is a great fit, I think, Parley, uh, position-wise. I mean, really, you'd love to get uh, a centerman in a top five draft position, but Lucas Raymond is a right-shot winger, and you can throw him on the right side, which is something that the Senators really uh, are lacking right now in their prospects and in current NHL players right now. I mean, we've talked in previous episodes. They've got a decent amount of talent on the left wing. You've got Duclair, Kachuk, uh, Formantins lighting it up uh, in Belleville. So you need someone to shore up that right side and be a top six guy. And Lucas Raymond, this guy's shot is unbelievable. So he would fit perfectly on a top line role if the Sens do have an opportunity to draft him. Right on. Yeah, it's a guy that kind of uh he comes in and he's got that that one thing going for him but i mean you look over at his countryman luke or sorry alexander holtz he lucas raymond's starting to look like a little bit more of a complete player he's got a little size on him he's a bit of a better skater but i mean you talked about his shot the first thing that comes out of any scout's mouth about alexander holtz is how good this kid's shot is and it's interesting to note you know you can have an elite level shot but not only does he have that great shot craig button described him as the definition of a shooter which means he knows where to go on the ice and mentally he understands like where he's going to find success he gets in the right areas he allows playmakers to give him the opportunity to get the puck on that and his release is very fast interesting to note obviously with two guys going up so high I mean there's so much talent in this prospect pool this year it's kind of a head scratcher with so much hockey being left to play who's going to go where where your organizational needs are so it's this isn't exactly like a 4-5 where we think guys are going to go, but it's interesting to note that Bob McKenzie said these two would be the perfect complement for each other. We saw them play together at the World Juniors. They've played together in the past in under-17 tournaments and stuff like that. And speaking of the World Juniors, he had three goals and two assists this year at the World Juniors. So this kid's a pure shooter, another need that pretty much every team in this league could have, and especially the Ottawa Senators who struggle to put pucks on net some nights. This is a guy that'd be interesting to watch again, who knows where he'll go, but I mean, those sharks, that pick keeps rising as well. So these sends could have two top five picks. 
Bilzy, before we get into the Tankathon spin that we do at the end of every show, now that we're into the new year, I got a Shark Tank update on you, and it's not looking good over there in San Jose. They'll play their first game without Logan Couture tonight, who very unfortunately went down. I mean, you never hope for injury. He's out for six weeks, it looks like, so that's really tough for the Sharks. And to make things even tougher, they're playing a Dallas squad tonight who's won six in a row. Pilsy, are you ready to go with your tankathon spin? I'll throw it over to you for the first one today. Go for it, buddy. Well, bef- before we do the spin, uh, I just want to talk about the Sharks a little. You mentioned, I mean, like, this is finally the Sens can have an understanding of how Colorado Avalanche fans felt last year when they watched the Sens plummet and plummet. And they're, they were just probably salivating knowing that they're going to get uh, a top three pick. <laughs> Joke's on them. They got number four. But... Uh, now the Senators, the Senators fans, we can do the same thing watching this Sharks team uh, slowly sink and sink. Logan Couture out, that's a tough one. But they've been actually pretty good lately, Parley, the Sharks. I mean, they beat uh, Pittsburgh 3-2 in overtime. Then they beat the Blue Jackets. Then they go to overtime with Washington. And then they beat um, they beat the Blue Jackets again. So they're actually on a bit of a streak uh, come 2020. But I think all of that is about to come crashing down with their captain, Logan Couture, out. But nonetheless, I digress, and let's hit the 2020 NHL Draft Lottery Simulator. Here we go. All right. Not too bad. Detroit gets the first overall pick. That's fine. They need it. You know what? They really need it. So that's I'm not too angry with that. At number two, the Ottawa Senators with the San Jose's pick and the Ottawa Senators' own pick at number five. So two and five, it's nothing we talked about nothing at all. And we talked about getting the pair of Raymond and Holtz. That's very possible in this situation. So that's exciting. Absolutely. All right. I'll go ahead and hit my button as well. We'll sim the lottery and ooh, not looking as good as yours, Detroit. Again, getting that number one pick, which I mean is not a uh, not a tough thing to think is gonna happen this year, <laughs> yeah. the way they're playing. The Senators, they're going to select fourth overall with their own pick. Um, let's not forget, they have some luck at number four. A guy yep. named Brady Kachuk comes to mind. But then the San Jose pick, not moving at all from where they are right now at pick number seven. You can't get too mad at four and seven, but come on. You got to think the Senators are going to get a top three pick this year. That's always fun. Hope you guys enjoy that little thing we do at the end of every show. And this is the end of the show. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Chris Parliament. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the game tonight.